speaking of failure, like I think for a long time I was scared to do these things and projects because I was afraid of failure and like afraid of because we have social media and all this stuff like people are always looking at us and being like all right what's this person doing like yeah who cares like you know To flirting with failure. Uh, my name's Addison Brown, and I believe that everyone has a story of sensation, but the best stories don't exist without complete and utter screw ups. And today I am so excited to be talking with Will Liverman. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for asking. Um, I keep saying it's honestly kind of rude to ask me how I am these days. Oh, but, uh, <laughs> start off with a controversial question how are you coping exactly. these times? yeah right. <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> yeah um but uh i do like to ask what kinds of things have you been doing to keep yourself sane uh as an artist in in these times mm-hmm. uh yeah i mean it's it is that cr- kind of crazy question like how are we <laughs> in general i mean it's just it's a roller coaster for sure i mean you know um along with a lot of other artists lost a lot of work coming right out of the gate with the pandemic and um of course it was difficult to manage all that and um it took a lot of time to sort of get back on my feet when eventually I did you know it was it kind of gave me a lot of time to to create things and take a lot of the um passion projects that I kind of been working on off the back burner and and put those at the forefront because you know I had a lot of free time to do that um so I've been doing you know working on that I've been you know cooking more um <laughs> which has been you know fun to try out new recipes and things and um golly I mean let's see what else I have I don't know I just think I've had a I've had an appreciation of just like kind of learning about myself if that makes sense I feel like a lot of times you know when you're traveling you're just you always have something to occupy your time with, whether, you know, rehearsal schedule, learning that next thing, go, traveling to that next place. When everything kind of stops at a standstill, um, you know, you're just, you're by yourself. A lot of the times you're, you know, talking to yourself, thinking a lot about things. And I don't know, it's given me a lot of time to like really search, uh, not search, but like just um, get to know more about myself. Like I'm, you know, I've got a chance to do therapy, which has been great. Um, and that's, you know, been a really um, important thing in, in my life uh, since the pandemic and um, which has helped me to learn a lot of the things about myself, like where I'm going. So it's been, you know, this whole pandemic has been, it's awful, but there's been some silver linings um, and things that I'm grateful for with it. So, yeah. Good. Good. All of that resonated with me so much. Uh, do you by chance live alone? Yes, I do. <laughs> you said you said talking to yourself, and I was like, those are the words of someone who <laughs> lives alone. Yeah, right. Exactly. I moved into a studio yeah. by myself during this pandemic, and all I do is talk to myself all day, and it yeah. is insane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also yeah. started therapy, which I mean, what a what a great time to start therapy. Also, 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's been, I think, you know, growing, at least, you know, where I grew up, it's something that you, I always associated with like, oh, if you're in therapy, you have a problem or, you know, like there's yeah, something yeah. wrong with you. All these sort of negative uh, things that attach with that. And then um, just seeing for myself, like, you know, how much it's, it's really, I mean, we have like, we go to the doctor and we have a problem, like mental health is just as important. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it's something that I never would have taken the time out to, to seek if had it not been for all of this. Um, and I, it's been really helpful. So good. Yeah. Good. I'm glad you found your, your silver linings through all this mm-hmm. as we, as we mm-hmm. continue on. Yeah. Um, maybe who knows. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> right. no, can, can we really say anything for sure right now? No, not at we all. Can't. We no. cannot. <laughs> Um, I was researching you (laughs) and I have so many questions. So for everyone who's listening, I haven't said this yet. So you are an opera singer. Mm -hmm. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I, your, your list of accolades and awards and, and roles was endless and so impressive. And I was like, am I interviewing a famous person? Like, I opera was something that just sort of came out of nowhere when I, I mean, that's not, I mean, unlike a lot of folks, like I, I found it in high school actually, cause I did a, an all arts program when I was in high school. And that's where I learned about classical singing to my first voice mm-hmm. lessons and all that. So that's kind of how I got all into, and in, into classical singing and, and um, performing. So you started taking classes. Was that the first time you had ever been introduced to classical music was in high school? For opera singing. I think I, when I was not, I think, but when I was in, oh golly, not in, I wasn't even in school. I was probably like five when I took piano at, and studied classical piano. Like, so classical music, it came early on, but, it, you know, singing wise, I didn't start until I started high school. I didn't know anything about opera um, or any shows or anything like that. And that's uh, kind of just changed my life. And after doing this performing arts high school in Norfolk, Virginia, where I grew up. That's amazing. I, I'm always curious, like, um, how people can get, or get into classical things, because it feels like, you know, there's always like when you're a child, you're like, opera's boring. Nah, nah, nah. But it's obviously, <laughs> Poor, it's, yeah, right. it's so yeah. amazing. Like, that's why it's, mm-hmm. you know, still an art form today. And it's so popular. Um, mm-hmm. But I guess just not amongst most children. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, I was, um, you know, I, I'll say I don't I don't know that much about opera, but I, I was mm-hmm. listening to your music and I was like playing it and I was like, oh, my God, this is beautiful. And um, after a while, it had been like two hours and I was just like doing things around my house. And I was like, I'm so calm and relaxed. And <laughs> your music had just been playing the whole time. And I was like, this is my new this oh, is my cool. new music. It's it's oh, really wow. your voice is so beautiful. I mean, oh, thank you. No, that's the thing. It's just I grew up, I mean to backtrack I mean I grew up with gospel music you know that's sort of that's like my my roots and where I you know where I kind of really connect um with with music and from there it blossomed into other things but but opera was same thing like I didn't know anything about it I didn't know like the first show I saw I fell asleep like I but I what was interesting was I woke up it was Die Valkyrie by Wagner and it's that that right of the Valkyrie theme and the whole time I thought that was from the cartoons like you know <laughs> Bugs Bunny I'm like how did the show why I didn't know they stole this from the cartoon and it was like no the, you know the opera came first and then <laughs> you know like it got into like a lot of mainstream stuff and like oh wow this is like a, a cool art form and there's lots to offer and 
um, I, you know, I, over time, I really fell in love with it, but there's, there's lots of exciting things there. And it does get that negative, uh, wrap of like, how oh, it can be boring. And like, I don't understand what's happening, but you know, if you give it a chance, there's, you know, I think, I don't think DeValkyrie is the first show to maybe see if you're a first time <laughs> goer, but there's lots of great shows out there, you know, God willing, when opera comes back, mm-hmm. um, that are, that's great for a first time goer, you know, I love the fact when I take people to see it for the first time of how much they, they enjoy the show and they, they, they didn't expect to be entertained and really enjoy it and they want to come back and see it. So it's, it's always, it's a fun time to introduce folks to the art form. <clears throat> yeah. I have no doubt, you know, I mean, like as an actor I, and I like acting, there are plays that I've been like, like, Oh, <laughs> like halfway through. <laughs> right. I mean, it's just, it's all dependent on the production and that totally makes sense. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So you went to Juilliard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I have to ask what that was like. Oh gosh. It, <laughs> it's unexpected, honestly. Like <laughs> I feel like a lot of my life is, you know, just unexpected things. I mean, it's with a lot of life in general, you just, you think you plan one thing and then something else happens. Mm-hmm. Um, I had, uh, I, Juilliard was nowhere on my radar. Like I didn't audition. I mean, I wasn't going to plan an audition. I think I was going to get in. I that was just there's a school that I was going to head to that was you know had kind of was like okay this is my school and Julia was just like backup not backup just like <laughs> you know like the Hail Mary like all right I might yeah. as well apply for this but I know that I have a safety school um and I ended up getting in and it was it was hard like it was a hard program I mean like going from I went to Wheaton College in Illinois heard of it super yeah. small <laughs> yeah super small school I mean they had a lot to offer I think I you know I was really thankful for my education there but it was like a it was a bubble so when you leave that and jump into a place like New York and you go to a school like Juilliard I mean you're you're just a small fish in a gigantic <laughs> pond and it's sink or swim especially for masters I found a lot of pressure because you're all of a sudden going to school with folks that are like you know, covering roles at the Met and having these big time agents and singing, winning all these competitions and things like that. So like, I was very intimidated walking in there for the first, and I don't think I really ever got adjusted to being at Juilliard. Like I got some opportunities, but ultimately when you're just there for your masters, you, you know, it's just that pressure. It's such a spotlight being in a place like that where the expectations to do well, like to be like flirting with failure, you feel like you have no room to fail because like the minute you do, it's like, you know, that's it, that's your shot, you know? And it's just, we're still in school and we're learning, but at the same time you feel that sort of like, man, every every performance I have to do, it has to be, you know, nothing, you know, no knock against the school itself, but it's just like, that was how I felt um, with my experience, like going in there and being like, you know, this is something where I have to, you know, either do really well in or yeah, you get overlooked because there's so many great singers. Um, and my two years there was just a blur, really. Um, and I'm thankful for my experience, but it was um, it was a hard school. It's hard. I mean, yeah. that's like I mean, Juilliard is a school that people are like, oh, you're an artist (laughs) the goal is to get into Juilliard and I Uh, I can't imagine going in there with like well this was my backup not backup like you said yeah right no no you walk in you're like I just came out of Wheaton College what's up guys is this like a hard (laughs) school or what (laughs) 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But, I, you know, in a way, I was sort of thankful for that because it, I, I approached it with all like a, I didn't, you came from a, re- when you come from a really small school, I didn't have any sort of, I don't know. It's just like, I just went and did everything I did. When I was in New York, I took advantage of all the competitions and things because you just approach it with an open mind. Coming from a small school, when you have a chance to really like hone your talent and you do all the roles and then you feel that confidence going into like a bigger school, it just helped a lot, you know, make that transition. Even though it was, of course, like going into like a gigantic place like Juilliard but like I had that confidence you know within myself like okay you know like I'm from Wheaton like what's up y'all like I'm gonna you know (laughs) it's just me (laughs) yeah right exactly (laughs) you know you just kind of have that sort of vibe so I was kind of thankful for my no very thankful for my my past from yeah um at the when I look back on it you know it sounds like you were able to just continue to be your authentic self and uh yeah yeah yeah. people who are maybe more competitive than you had ever been in terms of right yeah in the arts world Mm -hmm. so then like graduating from Juilliard was it um pretty easy for you to start landing get like paid gigs like to start working are you are you full-time like a performer yeah um yeah normally with opera singing it's sort of it's similar to um I don't know the best way to describe it is I mean the normal path Mm-hmm. you take is that you finish your schooling however you know whatever much schooling you feel like you need most people mm-hmm. do grad school or undergrad then grad and then you get you try to audition for a young artist program which is basically another level of training before you go into into the professional circuit and start auditioning for jobs so what I did was I ended up after I finished Juilliard I went immediately into the Uh, Ryan Opera Center at Lyric Opera of Chicago, Mm -hmm. which is their young artist program. And the young artist program is basically just like that next step of just honing your craft, getting a chance to get experience at a professional company. Um, And you sort of have like uh, your home company um, where they, you know, you get um, experience of performing a different, some you do outreach, you're kind of an ambassador of that company. Um, And usually... I mean, that's the thing. Everyone has a different path, but that's like that period where you audition for agents. So when you leave the young artist program, then you start to get set up for um, auditions and roles and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. After you get exposure um, from doing from doing that young artist program, so I did the lyric for three years um, and was a young artist there and did small roles. I covered big roles and that was a really great experience for me because, you know, there was a lot that I needed to um, improve upon before I was ready for um, the big stage, but it was hard. I mean, like, I will say like leaving that and then jumping into the professional world of like trying to sing full time and like constantly having work was not easy. It was a big challenge. Like I didn't have anything hard. I had maybe one or two things lined up after finishing my three years there so um there are lots of challenges coming out of the program and that's honestly i've heard you know i can't remember who told me that i was like one of the that's the hardest thing is bridging that time from when you finish whatever program or educational thing that you've done into the professional world i'm sure as it is for all artists like because you 
that's the time where you're just like sink or swim basically. And you're in the pit, you're in that pool with everybody else. Like folks yeah. have been doing it for years Yeah, and you just have to just keep auditioning and, and doing it until something works out, you know, that is the struggle. This podcast is sponsored in part by word Ravel. Absorb the harsh realities of this evil world cushioned by the comfort of comedy. Follow them on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Subscribe to Word Brothel on Patreon to get awesome stuff delivered to your door. Wordbrothel.com. Real fake news. You work full-time as a performer, which must be, you know, fulfilling. And, you know, I feel like a lot of people who artists, aspiring artists, like that's the goal, you know, is to to do Mm -hmm. what you love full-time. And... I'm curious for someone who a lot of people would say, like, you made it, like you did it. Mm -hmm. Um, What, what were some of the things that happened or maybe one thing that happened along the way that was like a setback on your part, like a a, a mistake? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think for me, I would say not taking, I don't think I, I feel like I just could have worked harder if that makes sense. And I think like, you know, I think you, when you get in that program or you've made the victory and you've gotten to like this thing, then you get in that sense of like being complacent or like, Oh, I've done it. But there is so much that I wish I had gone back and changed. I wish I had taken, you know, I wish I had taken advantage of the resources I had. um, Cause I feel like I would have been, and I bet I would have been in a better place coming out of those programs um, instead of just letting these programs like give me my schedule and tell me the things, but like, instead of like me saying, okay, this is what I need out of this program and like being proactive. I think that's a big thing. Um, you know, and I, I'll be honest, like I've, I procrastinate a lot, you know, and I think when I, kind of get into that mindset of like, okay, I've made it and here's where I am. And like, it's okay. You know, there's always more to do. You're always a student of your craft and learning. And early on, you know, things like languages, for example, I mean, that's a big component of, of, um, you know, being a performer, you perform in different languages all the time. So I wish I had taken all this time that I had, like during these training programs and taking advantage of like learning a language you know, learning more repertoire, more roles, I could have been in a better position to be successful. And, um, you know, really have taken those, those times where I was, you know, kind of slacking off and then, you know, doing the work, because the thing is, I didn't realize is there's just so much competition out there. And, and, you know, while, of course, like, we're young, we, you know, have to, we want to have fun and, and enjoy where we're at and it's not like all like serious serious like things but like I you know I wish that I could have or I would have gone back and and just taken advantage of of um of the resources that I had because once it's gone like you're paying you're stuck paying for everything like no more no more free voice lessons no more free coachings you know you are just on your own you have to like find those resources yourself and you're paying out of pocket for all that stuff. Um, so I always encourage people that are in those programs or in schools, 
you know, take advantage of, of everything that you have there um, because it's only going to help you when you, you leave that <clears throat> institution, you're off on your own trying to audition and stuff because it's, it's very, it's a challenging thing. And I had to learn, you know, kind of the hard way because, um, you know, coming out, I really didn't have a lot of stuff. I, I kind of let that like, oh, I got into Juilliard. Oh, I'm at Lyric. So like all the work <laughs> will come, you know, all the gigs will come to me, you know, like, yeah not that's not the reality you know i mean i'll be honest um, if i was at juilliard i'd be like hey i'm at juilliard <laughs> all the roles are coming yeah, right right but, right yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean <laughs> even like if i look back at undergrad i'm like i had so much free stuff like at my fingertips when i was in college and i all like, yeah it was just to like further my career like when i got out of college and all i did was like pass my classes technically and like go out with my friends and I was like this is what right. it is and yeah right right I, I wish I was like more of a young professional at that point and had taken it more seriously right. but right right I mean I don't feel like you're alone in in the the thought mm. of oh I could have worked harder you know it's right 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 it's definitely something that I think oh god right now too a lot of people mm -hmm. are we just have a lot of time to think <laughs> a lot of time to sit and we think do. about it. Yeah. And, uh, and in the art world, I mean, I have, I have researched so many different, like, uh, like grad school programs that aren't for the arts. Like I've just been thinking mm -hmm. of like other things I can do, you know, right now. And, and my mind has just been wandering and it's, it's really hard to, to stay focused on. Yeah on the art we were making. Yeah. And, you know, also like, I wish that I, you know, I mean, that's the thing, we're all figuring ourselves out when we're young and, um, you know, now, especially with the pandemic, folks are, you know, changing up the game and doing what they have to do to hustle and, and make the coins. Mm -hmm. um, I wish I had opened myself up more to, um, I feel like we get in this mindset of like, oh, I'm an opera singer, so that's all I do. Or I'm, you know, I'm an actress, all I do. But I think we have such, you know, we're all, I mean, I like to think, you know, we're all creatives and can find, like we can step outside of that and, and step outside the box and and not feel like we need permission to, to do other things, um, which is one of the things I've been really inspired by, like during all this time sitting at home is like, not waiting for permission you know if you have something that you're really passionate about or something that you really want to create or something that you want to see that hasn't been done yet like you can do that thing and find the resources and really make it happen like it starts with the vision and, and executing it and not waiting for permission I mean that's another thing I'd say I regret is like always sitting back and waiting for the email to tell me to you know like I got the thing whereas I could just be, you know, like, wait, I don't need permission from whatever company. Like, I'll make it myself. Like, or I'll go yes. and make this this project happen with the people that I want to make happen. And, like, let's make this thing. Like, we, you know, we don't need permission. Okay, so you didn't know this, but I really needed to hear that today. <laughs> okay, yeah. You're so right. You're so right. And also uh you know obviously we're a little bit limited in in the ways we can create right now but i think right, right. a challenge that any artist will be able to overcome so i think right yeah what a time to do the things that we have been waiting for for permission to do yeah that's the thing it's just like we have i mean 
And that's one thing I feel like we, I mean, that's the one thing that's been kind of helped me through all this time, like is, um, and you know, it's not, it's not like, of course we envision a thing, we need to ha- make it happen tomorrow, but it's just yeah. like step, like making it, whatever that's like, just getting it all on paper. Like, what is the thing that you want to create? And what are the steps of getting there? Who are the people you want to get involved? Like, and every week sort of making like, okay, this week I'm going to do this thing. And it, and it slowly over time um, builds up. And then next thing you know, it like, you know, you've realized this, this thing you've set out to do. And I think that's some of the most rewarding stuff, like honestly, as, as artists. And, but yeah, I think that's, as I think about like what I would have done or wish I would have, wish I would have done sooner is not waiting for permission you know, and not being afraid to, you know, speaking of failure, like I think for a long time, I was scared to do these things and projects because I was afraid of failure and like afraid of, because we have social media and all this stuff, like people are always looking at us and being like, all right, what's this person doing? Like, you know, you, you're, at least for me, I was always scared of like, what other people are going to think or what they're going to, comment or say about like what I'm doing like oh what is who does he think he is he could do this or like you know like yeah who cares like who you know like let them, right. <laughs> who cares like honestly I don't care you know like and that's just and that's their problem not mine you know like yes it's so like it's just that's what it is you know and I think the more you get into that mentality and now it's just like you don't care about people but it's just like the people's opinions of what you're doing don't let that affect you know I've learned that let it affect like what I what my visions are like what I want to do with my art and um beyond like opera singing so it's um so that's been one of the things too during this pandemic that's just like when I was thinking about you know your questions what you sent like mm-hmm. things I wish I had gone back you know just being more true to myself you know and, and stop trying to pretend to be someone or not, yeah, but like put on this game to like please the, you know, the crowd or whoever, you know. Yeah. Well, I think that's, I mean, a phenomenal lesson and one that even as we grow older, we have to continue to learn over and over and over again. Exactly. So yeah. it's it's always it's always important to think about that and and, and yeah on that. I want to end on a on a on a positive note and not talk about regret for a second. And I was wondering, just because you've done so much, um, what has been the proudest moment of of your um, music career? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I'm so curious. Uh, huh? Proudest moment? Uh, I would have to say, I think it it must be. It's just so strong. I mean, there's lots of great moments, mm-hmm. and I, but I think the one that stands out was like right before the pandemic, and when I was able to sing Papageno in Magic Flute at the Met, and it was so important for me because at the time I didn't realize until I looked it up that um, I was the first African American singer to sing that role and then if you don't if folks that don't know anything about opera like magic flute is one of the like most well i mean most performed works most performed operas that's always done i think the met has done it metropolitan opera in new york they've done it um four or five hundred times or something like that oh my god and to be the first um black singer to sing Papagena, which is like the iconic uh, baritone role in that piece like okay. the comic relief um 
it was such an honor and to to be a part of history on that stage um and to also sing a lead role at a at a place like the Met because that's you know a dream come true yeah um especially like going going back to like my high school uh, one of the inspiring things that we did at the governor's school we would take trips to New York and go to the Metropolitan Opera and see um some shows there so to like see that come full circle was really special and that happened in January of good of of just a year ago almost this is crazy yeah but I was so thankful that pandemic didn't reach it sooner because I mean for a number of reasons I you know I wouldn't be here where I am now but like I'm I'm glad that I had that opportunity and it's definitely something that stands out and as far and especially all the support of people who came to see the show from like high, you know from folks from different parts of my life was really cool um so yeah that's amazing and I'm so glad that you got to experience that before the world shut down I mean yeah I wish yeah. that the world didn't shut down but I am so happy to hear that you had this like milestone experience this like historic like you were the first black mm. man to sing that role mm experience Mm -hmm. that's crazy that's so awesome and um so will you continue I mean like I don't like I said know that much about opera but like I know what the Met is and that's Mm -hmm. clearly a huge deal so Mm -hmm. will you continue to sing um to perform there when they when things open back up yeah um well yeah I mean that's uh fingers crossed uh this all happened during the pandemic um you know in light of George Floyd and all the thing, the, yeah. the craziness of the summer and which uprooted a lot of um, things in the classical world in terms of diversity and inclusion um, sure. in in the arts. Um, it's it was you know I was happy to see a lot of opera companies take a stand and um, you know making statements but hopefully you know turning those statements into action. And one of the things the Met did was they had bumped their, they're doing this opera called Fire Shut Up in My Bones by Terrence Blanchard. Um, and it's a black opera that they had planned for like 2024 or whatever, but they decided to bump it up and make it the opera that opens their season. Um, and it'll be the first time a black composer's work is gonna be featured at the Met and I'm singing the lead role for that so I'm hoping that that happens <laughs> oh yeah my yeah. gosh I will fly yeah. to New York that is so <laughs> sensational I'm so excited for you and Thank you. so happy yeah. that the Met is um putting words into action um yeah yeah and yeah. uh wow that's I'm so glad you have something to look forward to as well yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, um, I swear I mean, you have like PTSD when you hear things like that. It's just like, mm-hmm. oh, well, it happened. You're like, you, I, wa- I mean, I was excited, but at the same time, like scared after dealing with canceled thing after canceled thing. But like yeah. with the vaccine, hopefully making, you know, making its way around, hopefully by the fall, um, you know, of course things will be like completely back to normal, but hopefully normal enough where folks can go back into the theater again um and I for one I mean like man talk about being excited like I I'm gonna go see everything like I've as an opera singer like I normally oh, I don't know I want to see but like I want to go see ballet I want to go see more straight theater yeah I'm gonna see it all like because never again will I take this live things no. for granted I hope no one will I mean like I hope that it 
it bounces back in a way where we see folks more energized and more amped up to to experience live arts and visual arts and everything you know because it's it's so important it's just like to have it gone for so long i don't even know what it, it is to put on a costume or <laughs> makeup calls like Pull a script that? <laughs> in your hands yeah yeah right yeah so God. It's, it's wild you yeah. just got me so amped for for post-covid <laughs> life <laughs> I, I like... know right i'm like i'm gonna see and all take all my money like yep yeah gonna go to that gonna i'll go, go broke that. again yeah just watching Look, right. shows and, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh-huh dancing get my dance on shoot i'm i'm living it up <laughs> um do you have anything that you um that i can plug uh like like any like um online stuff that people can watch uh well there's two things um and they're circling back to like pandemic creativity and things i have mm-hmm. during the pandemic i was able to safely record uh, an album which will be released February 12th. I want to say Black, yeah, in Black History Month. It's it's featuring okay. all Black composers. Okay. Um, entitled Dreams of a New Day. Dreams of um, with Sadi Records and their local uh, label here in Chicago. Okay. And it was a that's a labor of love, and I was so happy to to see that through. Um, and secondly. Um, one of the big things I was able to create, speaking of like putting thoughts into action was, um, my friend and I, my friend Rocket Jackson, we both went to this governor's school that I talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he started off in opera. It's funny to think about that now because now he's a producer and a DJ in New York. And so <laughs> like I always like the opposite ends of the about, spectrum. <laughs> I know. Remember that time you sing Tamino and Magic Flute? He always laughed. But, um. In 2018, we started working on our own opera together and composing, um, and it's called the Factotum, and it's an updated version of Barber of Seville, set in a black barber shop, uh, featuring music, featuring like R&B and neo soul, hip hop, funk, gospel, and this was something that we just did on our own, right? Like we worked on it in 2018, and in 2019 we did a demo, and then when things shut down, I was like, shoot, we have all this time, let's work on it. Um, so we raised money to do like our own workshop or whatever. And then throughout all this stuff, like Lyric Opera, they lost their entire season and somehow they heard about our piece and they're like, Hey, well, you've got this opera we've heard about, like, why don't you come workshop it with us? So I, we, um, Rock and I, we workshopped our opera with Lyric Opera of Chicago just in December. And there's a documentary coming out also in February. I don't know what this exact date is, but it's a documentary about like the making of the factotum. And we're hoping, um, I mean, all things considered with everything, if it goes well, it'll be really hopefully do a full production on the other side of COVID. But this documentary will give you like a inside, you know, scope of what that whole week was like and putting together a new piece and, making it all come together like during COVID and all this stuff. And it's, a, we just got the first uh, edits of it the other day. And it's really, it's a beautiful thing. So, um, and it's just a hopeful thing too. And I think it hopefully will get people excited about, you know, the other side of, yeah. of COVID and just like, you know, getting back out there in the arts world and, and creating and just like getting motivated. So, I mean, it's just um, something that's just been really inspiring for me. So that'll come out. Uh, with lyric in a few in fe- sometime in February, so those two things, uh, yeah, um, oh, yeah. yeah. So that's that's pretty much it. Now it's just like 
for me now, I mean, I had a busy year last year, like despite everything, but like now it's just like sitting back and watching the windows get dark and you're just like, oh, you know, like, yeah. oh, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, Thank you so much, Will, for coming on to my podcast. <laughs> of course. Happy to be here. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Uh, stream stream Will's music on Spotify and uh, stream his new album on February 12th. I'll post about it more in the uh, Instagram post. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to Flirting with Failure. I love working on this podcast with my whole heart. If you like listening and would like to support this project monetarily, please be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash flirting with failure pod, where you can get special access to behind the scenes footage, merch, extra episodes, and much, much more. A huge thank you to all of my crushes, Clyde Moser, Jacqueline Orrell, and Tim and Kate Lehane. Our intro and outro music is Look Better in Gold by Friday Pilots Club. Make sure to stream them on Spotify. Another big thank you to Gabby Gottlieb for editing and Jason Ryder for production help. And most importantly, thank you to all my listeners. Stay flirty. Cause money only moves when the kids are saying, yeah.